What's up, everybody? We're here for another episode of the Growing Up Italian podcast. I'm here with my brother and Steve Cerulli from the Calandra Institute. Hey, how's, up, ev- hey, how's everyone doing? I'm Steve. Steve does a little of everything. He's not just from there, <laughs> but this is uh, the Calandra Institute is uh, the most valued to our followers here. Uh, Steve, we met him actually at one of our events. One of our events. See, you know, real people actually come to it. <laughs> um, it was a spaghetti night, right? Yeah, yeah. So we met him on uh, the spaghetti night, and he was telling us about this institute that does, like, Italian-American studies. Yes. Like a historic facility that documents a bunch of Italian-American things. So you were telling us a bunch about it, and then you kept in contact with us. We were like, you know what, this would make a great podcast. So here we are. Yeah, so want me to do a little introduction of myself? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So as, as they mentioned earlier, I'm Steve Cerulli. I'm an college assistant at Calandra Institute. But besides that, it's also the John D. Calandra Italian-American Institute. Um, but basically, I'm like an archivist, copy editor, amongst many other things. And I'm also a historian. I teach American history at Hostos Community College in the Bronx. And both of these are in the CUNY system. Calandra is under the Aegeus of Queens College, and then Hostos is a community college within the, commu- uh, within the CUNY system. Mm-hmm. That is Sorry. City University of New York. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. Post edit. Now you're good. So... Anything else? Or should we get right into what, what yeah. exactly? Yeah, so. I w- it, this show's on you today. Okay, okay. <laughs> so before I left my office well, on Thursday, I was like, let me write a couple notes down. And it turned basically into like 1,700 words. <laughs> so maybe. I like people that come prepared. Yeah. Because you, know? you know what? Every time I finish a podcast, literally at the end of every episode, I always say to myself, oh, shit, I forgot to say this. Or I forgot this. So it's dope that you came prepared. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm throwing this out there. Maybe I should like read off first what the time American study is, and then y'all can ask me some questions yeah, no about problem. that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. so... This is like, I guess, like the most kind of concise way to think about the field. So I asked, what is Italian-American studies? Um, let me try to slow myself down too. I speak really fast. It's a Northeast thing. Um, it is the interdisciplinary study of the Italian-American diaspora. And by diaspora, that means people who left their home country to live in another one. In the United States, it can range from history, biography, to memoir, literary crism, um, criticism, sociology, anthropological research on vernacular and secular culture and folkways. So think yard shrines out in this New York City. Um, gastronomy, food, cooking culture, racial theory, women, gender, queer studies, aesthetics, even things like uh, if you go somewhere like Staten Island or Howard Beach and you see the arches in front of someone else's um, lawn, that's, you know, you can study that as a kind of expression of Italianicity yeah. or what we call Italianita, italian saints in front of uh, a yep. house or something. Yep, yeah. saints, things like this. this like seeing the right St. Anthony or, you know, Virgin Mary in front of someone's house, you're like, oh, they must be Italian. What's crazy is that, like, if... So not myself, because when I see something like that, it always catches my attention because I just have the eye for it. Mm-hmm. But there are many people that will walk right past that and not think anything of mm-hmm. it, you know? So it's it's important. Yeah, I've been trying to document a lot of them in Ridgewood. I found an awesome one the other day. I posted on Instagram yesterday. Um, it's actually covered in plastic and has, like, neon lights around it. So it's really you fun. You should follow our buddy... Uh Italian enclaves, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. He posts, yeah. A, lot he posts a lot of, of stuff like that. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I've uh, exchanged a couple yeah. of uh, emails he's with him before. Guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, 
back to where, back to what I was my long paragraph. Um, it can even be media studies, psychology, you know, how to tell Americans think. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, like three years ago, of all the white ethnicities, um, Italian-Americans are most likely to drop out of high school. Um, really? So, yeah, so we study stuff like that as well. This is all, like, this is interdisciplinary. That means taking a bunch of fields together and kind of mashing them together for a frame of analysis. Um, and as I go on, uh, political science and everything in between and beyond often synthesized. Um, however, more recently, it's evolved into a larger kind of international Italian diaspora studies, um, comparing and contrasting the many diasporas, right? Because many Italians didn't just come to America, almost, what, 30 million, 33 million in Brazil, 20-something million in Argentina, America, 17.5 million, something like that. Canada's another two or three million. So many Italian diasporas out of the Italian peninsula in the Italic cultural sphere, it's a term I'm inventing and playing with right now, across time and spaces. And by Italian cultural sphere I mean things like Cantone Ticino in Switzerland you know when they come here they're viewed as Italian or Corsica or Dalmatia which is this area that was um, under Austria-Hungary in the 1800s but before that it was part of the Republic of Venice and Venice was his own country with his rich history so many Italians lived in this this coast of what's now Croatia um, even for example Malta or places like Corfu in Greece that had these large Italian American community or not Italian American Italian communities that left. A lot of Italians go to Corfu you call that's also yeah, part of Venice. C E R F U, right? C O R F U. Yeah, Corfu. Corfu. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah. One of my friends from Italy this summer when I was going to, um, what's it, Mykonos? He yeah. was going to Corfu. I was like, and then I, but there's a towns all over in Greece. Did, did you look at some of the pictures? They actually have a Venetian boatyard because the, the Venetians wanted that island as a way to kind of control uh, the flow of boat traffic coming yeah, in and of, out of the Asiatic. Of off the Adriatic, you know, Venice on top, and Corfu is kind of like the gateway into that area. Yeah, wow. no. um, I never study like European history like that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like a very long approach. Like you should know what's happening over there beforehand to really kind of understand. Well, they were going on before us, you know. Yeah. But and it's it's a shame because like there's a lot of things that I don't even know, you know, because they don't. It's not taught in our schools. It is, this but is, it's like advanced. No, but a lot of it's not taught either. A lot of it's just not taught. Because I remember in high school, even in our Italian class, it was was more of the language, learning the language. Mm -hmm. Now, here, first generation, I knew the language. I mean, I knew the dialect, not the proper Italian, but they didn't teach the history Mm -hmm. and the, the architect and the things that really teach someone to love the country you mm-hmm. know what i mean like the language don't get me wrong is a big part of it but it's also the food the traditions the culture mm-hmm. the architect is huge because me specific like i love the italian architect and i don't think the light is shining like the orange like you know what do you call the the when the roofs have like that uh you know oh, like about? um, like it's the the tiles almost. The Mediterranean like, tiles. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Like it's like that. Yeah, the tiles. Yeah. The tiles. But like when you see that, <laughs> even in, in Queens, you see. You're that. just like an Italian. Yeah. You're yeah. Like Marble all over. Is that or yeah. Greek? There's, I saw a few over here. I took a little passaggio before um, coming here. There's a couple of houses that oh, had yeah, the orange well, tiles. I mean, you gotta go. You gotta go into like those. On the, the side, side streets. streets. Yeah, yeah, off yeah. Metropolitan. I go down Ainsley. Yeah, by Fortunato. I'll tell you yeah. what, you'll see a lot of statues in front of the house. Mm-hmm. It's still, I mean, as not as many as there once were, but there is still a fair amount of Italians in Williamsburg. A couple of us buildings here, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, to what you were saying. Yeah, let me go a little bit into the history because this didn't come out of nowhere. And it's kind of an old field, even though recently it's been gaining a lot of traction. I would say in the past maybe 15 years, lots of literature books have been coming out on this subject. But it kind of has this long history. So I write down, there are some pivotal moments in its foundations as a field of study. Um, first, in a larger cultural context of something known as the white ethnic revival, which was a reaction in response to the civil rights movements in the late 1960s and 1970s when European Americans began to organize around their identities um, to kind of mimic African Americans. We start seeing things like African American power. You would see pins that say Italian power. And this is, this is a reflection and also a reaction. So it's a reaction, a little, a little on the conservative side. Um, a great example of this would be the problematic Italian American Civil Rights League, founded by Colombo um, in 1970. And one of its major missions was, ironically, to delink Italian Americans from, from the mafia, even though its main lawyer was a mafia lawyer. And this kind of centrifugal force. Uh, Joseph Colombo was a mafioso himself. So that's kind of like the beginnings of it. We start seeing in the late 60s and early 70s, it's kind of like, oh, maybe we're also Italian and American, right? Italian-Americans, well, let's say 1902, 1915, you'd just be just Italian, right? So like when my father's growing up in the 50s, he's 70, he didn't go Italian-American. It was just Italian, right? There was no hyphen. And then in the 60s, we begin to see the hyphen introduced, right? And of course, this, this uh, academics watch society respond to it. So one of the first kind of responses to it is this woman, her name is uh, Rose Basile Green. She writes this 1962 essay, not a book, it's only an essay, The Evolution of Italian-American Fiction that was followed up by her book in 1974, which was the Italian-American novel, looking at people like Pietro Di Donato, these kind of authors from the 30s and 40s who were Italian-American authors, um, authors. However, the same year, not however, continuing in that same year, this professor from Queens College, Richard Gambino, releases a book called The Blood of My Blood, uh, The Dilemma of Italian Americans, that kind of documents one of the first kind of really documentary history of Italians living in, um, living in America. And this was followed up um, with two things, creating a journal called Italian Americana. So now you have a scholarly journal to submit articles to um, discussing Italian Americans and usually the way academia works, well not usually, the way academia works is you have journals focusing on a specific subject, right? So you might have something like a queer studies journal which talks about the history of gay people or, yeah. or sociology of gay people. You have African American journal, right? In this case we have the first journal specifically dedicated to studying Italian Americans, 1974. Also the following year in 75 they make the first um, chair for Italian American studies at Queens College and Gambino holds it. Right, so we have the beginning of a field, right? A journal now, you have a chair, you start seeing academics really researching the hyphened Italian-American, right? Not Italian, Italian-American. Um, the 80s, it continues. It becomes more theori uh, theoretical. Well, before, it's kind of these kind of observations, right? But not really theoretic, uh, theoretical. This guy, Robert Fascuzzi from Brooklyn College, um, he publishes this essay called Divulgari uh, Eloquentia, Ordinary Eloquence in Italian-American, where he explores themes as Italian-Americans, as like this in-between writer, in-between author, where you're not just American, you're not just Italian. And he actually just passed away about two days ago. Um, but he was this monumental kind of lion and force within his field of study out of Brooklyn College. Rest in peace to him. Yes. Um, and then finally, kind of the beginning of, we see the beginning of like a canon. And by that, like a literary canon, like we have English, we have Shakespeare, Chaucer, etc. These are the English canon, right? We have um, Helen Berolini, and she has this book called The Dream Book, an anthology of writings by Italian-American woman, where we see, again, the construction slash creation of an Italian-American literary canon, where we have these works of books that we can go to and say, you should read Pietro di Donato, right? You should read so-and-so, and these are the books you should read if you want to understand the Italian-American um, writer, and also John Fonte, another awesome one. 
Um, before we go along, any question about these, about any of this? I want to kind of ask if, um, let's say someone that's like hearing all this and they're curious about Italian-American history and mm -hmm. you know, studies, what's the first step for them to take to, you know, be proactive and get well, involved? First, I would say follow the Calandra Facebook page. Um, we post our events and pictures and stuff that we do there. And we don't just post our stuff, we post what other organizations are doing, like Alto Italia, which is this organization at Piemonte that also has their own journal. So I would say that's a really good first step of trying to figure out where's actions or things that are going on about Italian Americans or the Italian diaspora. And then a really good book, um, it's a little difficult, it's a little expensive, but it's a really good place to kind of really grasp the totality mm -hmm. of the field is the Rutledge History of Italian-Americans that came out about a year and a half ago by Stanislaw Pliese and William Connell. It's How expensive huge, is it? That um, well, the hardcover is like $300, but there's a, a virtual edition. I think it's like 80 but you can follow the publisher and see when sales are on. And I, was, I hate recommending something like that that's so expensive, but it really is like this primer, right? It's, it's, it's chapters are done by themes, right? So one theme will be on Italian-American radicals, another would be on Italian-American women, another would be on Italian-American newspapers, another was on why they leave Italy. Um, so there's all these various chapters that go by theme, right? And it's not like a book where you just read it all in one sitting, right? You read two or three chapters a day, and each chapter is by a different author who specializes on something in that particular field, right? So an anthropologist is doing something on music, right? A historian is doing something on why they leave. Someone else is doing something on food. Someone else is something doing something, uh, Jerry Crace, on uh, the little Italy's in, in New York City. So I think that would be a good place to kind of really get your, your, your what's it called, speak sweat. Yeah. And then if you want to see what's happening in communities, start off by following the Calandra um, page. Because we don't, again, we just don't post our stuff. We post what other organizations are doing as well. Um, That's awesome, man. So I'm going to go back into what, el what else is happening. Um, in, the, in the past 30 years, but especially in the last 15, the field has really exploded. I keep using this term because it really has. Um, it's, it's crazy because we were talking about this before we started the podcast. And it's awesome that, you know, it's, it's starting to, like, increase. Because, mm -hmm. like, from the outside, like, we always say, like, our culture is dying. Mm -hmm. But you're saying, like, the, the scholarship, the scholarship is, is like, is on the rise. Yeah. You know? uh, but then but the big issue is it's really insular. The same 50, 60 people go to the same conferences, right? And that's why I'm happy that y'all are giving me a platform like this where we can introduce this as a field of study to a larger um, audience, and especially people that, I might, that might not be familiar with it. When I was 18, 19, I had no idea there was a, a field dedicated to this. I kind of like stumbled my way into it um, as, I w as I went along in How academia. How did you stumble into it? You just... Oh, undergrad. Um, so I have a really non-traditional academic story. I used to be an electrician, and I got laid off during a recession. And basically, I applied to community college um, because the state of Connecticut will allow you to collect unemployment. I'm originally from Stanford, Connecticut. Um, to collect unemployment while I go into community college. So here I'm at like 19 years old, and I'm like, I have to hang out with my friends and get paid? Um, and I found that I was actually really good at school. I was like, oh, wow. I mean, like, Dean's List. And then I kind of stumbled my way from there into, into, into undergrad at UConn. And my advisor was a specialist of, uh, of Italian history, but not Italian-American, Italian history. But I wrote an honors thesis for him on these two kind of Italian um, anti-fascists that ended up having to kind of leave 
to America in exile. One of them in the early 1900s because he was an anarchist, and then another one who was a professor that Mussolini hated. So I wrote a thesis on their kind of actions in America and internationally as a way to like oppose fascism. And through that, I discovered I'm working on that thesis, I discovered that kind of there's this whole field there. I discovered Calandra Institute. For example, the author of a book about this guy, his name's Carlo Tresca, um, has a piece in here. His name's Nunzio Pernicone about the Italian radicals in New York City. So it's kind of one step led to another, but not everyone has the privilege to go to a university, right? Especially in our community, because not really, we don't really foster academia, right? My father was like, go to work. I went to trade school for high school. He was never like, oh, go to college, be a doctor, be a lawyer, whatever. He's like, go to work, go be an electrician. Yeah, less and less people are doing college, too. Yeah, yeah. well, no, it's up. You think but, so? Yeah, but I would say in our community, the Italian-American community, I don't want to say it's anti-collegial, but it's not something that's highly valued. Like, That's because the older generation didn't go to school, yeah, they worked. Yeah. So they're going to push what they know, and it's work, you know? Yeah, so like none of my cousins went to school. So I got very lucky. That's the best way to put it. Like I got really lucky. I kind of stumbled my way um, through it, and through most, most of my career has basically been stumbling. And then how I ended up in Calandra is um, the Institute has this program in Italy that I applied for, got in, and they were like, oh, you're going to go to grad school in New York City next year? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, we need a new librarian. Come come be our new librarian. And again, I just literally stumbling. Like everything, you know, a lot of my life has been stumbling through one thing after another. Um, that's a really long, like, drawn-out answer. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it though? makes sense, though, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me, let me, let's look at the, the last 30, the, like I said, the last 30 years. Um, the scholarship has exploded. Um, and it's gone international, and I would like to—I would like to say maybe I'm biased that Calandra is one of kind of the major forces in this. And one of the reasons why this like international profile is coming along is Calandra created this thing called the Summer Seminar in Italy to study Italian diaspora, and that's the thing I was mentioning earlier. Um, right now, we're partnered with Rome. We have different universities where basically professors and graduate students can apply for this program, and you spend three weeks they only study in abroad. Yeah, at a university in Italy, only studying the diaspora. It's only three weeks. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a. Usually, it's like a three. No, because it, it's not study abroad; it's a fellowship. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so it, and it's a, it's a basically a seminar, and you get a fellowship from That'd like. That'd be a great experience from like, like some young kids, you know. Well, the thing is, it's only for graduate students and doctoral, um, doctoral uh, people with doctorates who are teaching at a college. And the, the whole point of this, why we do this, is so when those doctors, you know, those professors go back to America, they can make a program, a program at their schools about Italian diaspora studies, right? And this is an inter, inter, international dialogue between Italy and um, the Calandra Institute in America. Um, where else am I going with this? And as, as I was saying, it's in this broader... Uh, diaspora studies, but there there are some pressing pressing kind of things we have to deal with in in the in the field. Um, so, for instance, Queens College, Hashtra, Lehman, uh, Lehman, this is in New York City, Loyola, Stony Brook, Montclair State University, and the University of Illinois are the only schools that offer Italian American studies as a minor. So, there's no place you can major in it, and if you want to study, it's only as a minor. Um, and there are only a few chairs. There's one held by Teresa Fiore, and uh, what's that? And Montclair, and then another one held by Fred Gardefe at Queens College, and then another one held by Stan Pugliese at Hofstra. So there's only three chairs, academic chairs, dedicated to the field, and no major programs in the undergrad, and only minors. But more, more, more conversely, you know, more, more of an issue is there's no doctoral programs that offer Italian Americans, um, that offer Italian American studies or Italian diaspora studies as a field, or even a certificate. So sometimes you can do a doctorate program. Let's say you're getting a doctorate in history. You can do a certificate in women's history. 
right? So it may not be the only thing you study, but it's kind of a, a, a central part of your studies and you have a specialty in it. There's no way you can do that. Um, and you've asked me, it's kind of a travesty that a place like CUNY, you know, 660,000 Italians, Americans live in New York City, um, doesn't have a doctoral program, especially considering the historical context of Gambino and Queens College, Viscusi and Brooklyn College, and the Calandra Institute. Um, but despite this handicap of having no place to really study this, and the reason why I'm harping on this is because it is in PhD programs that you foster the future academics that study um, a particular subject. So you want a really strong PhD program that produces doctors who write research on Italian Americans, right? There's no place to really go to do this, right? Some people get a regular history degree and they move on to do Italian American studies. So for instance, a great example of this would be my colleague Joe Shore, who's out in Williamsburg over here. He originally did Puerto Rican folklore and then as the 90s moved on, he got into Italian American uh, vernacular culture like yard shrines, et cetera, et cetera, uh, as I, t I told you a little bit earlier. Um, so that's the, the kind of state right now. Do you have any questions about that? Yapping and yapping and yapping. No, no. <laughs> I'm just trying to follow along, you know? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a college dropout, so I'm like, a couple of words, I'm like, listen, I'm like, thinking as you're going. Oh, that's bad, then that means I'm out doing my job. No, no, you are. You're doing good. You're doing good. No. I'm actually learning a lot today. I'm not going to lie. I'm just trying to soak it all in. So, um... I can kind of give a summary of the history of Calandra and what we do there. Yeah, and then after, great, then after that, we should just like kick it and just, yeah, just talk about research, whatever. I feel like a lot of people, that's going to be the first yeah. question they ask is like, what exactly is the institute and all that? So yeah. So I'm trying to be a little slow. I had an espresso beforehand and I go a little to do. Um, yeah, a little juked <laughs> up. Um, so now what is the Calandra Institute? We'll, we, we should look at its origins first. It was founded in 1979 by a group of concerned Italian-Americans whose aim was to readdress, this is the Wikipedia quote, in treatment, I'm gonna get into my quote later, uh, my take later, in the treatment of Italian-Americans in the higher education. So what does that mean? That's very neutral. Well, essentially, CUNY had a history of discrimination against Italian-Americans. Um, CUNY, it's at the University of New York. Mm -hmm. um, and the students and faculty, um, so in the 1970s, Senator John D. Calandra, who is our namesake, um, released this amazing kind of 80-something page paper on this history of City University of New York's discrimination against Italian-Americans. So in 1979, Calandra, then known as the Italian-American Institute, was founded to watchdog CUNY's practices towards Italian-Americans, little known that in the CUNY system, Italian-Americans are a protected minority class. Right, because of this kind of history. And that's why I mentioned earlier it's kind of a travesty that you don't have a, a program that even looks at an issue like this. Um, so in the late 80s, however, the institute start to develop into this kind of pseudo cultural center. But the real big change happened in the past 13 years when our current dean um, arrived and he kind of reshaped, his name's Anthony Tambori, he reshaped um, the institute into kind of this center of scholarship and intellectual activity. Um, Another good force behind us also, two of the editors of the Italian American Review, Joseph Shore and Rosangela Briseche, they make this thing called, they create this, they re, what's the word I want to use, revive this journal known as the Italian American Review, where scholars can submit pieces um, about Italian American um, scholarship on Italian Americans, whether it be about Italian American music, Italian American history, politics, et cetera, et cetera. So what does the Institute do? I imagine you're going to ask that next, right? So what does it do? In terms of research and education, which is kind of our bread and brother, we still have the demographics department. It's still watchdogs CUNY. Like where and where people live too and all. Uh, that? yes. So I'm I'm collaborating with our demographer. His name is Vincenzo Milione about the Italian Americans in Ridgewood Bushwick, which we can talk about a little bit later. And it'll be a lot more uh, informal than reading off a piece of paper. Um, yeah. So tracking where they live, the demographical trends. Right. It's really interesting thing is that the amount of mixing. I, I read a, pa a paper he published uh, two or three years ago. The amount of mixing 
um, with non-whites in the past 20 years has doubled from like 4% to 8%, something like that. So we study stuff like that. Um, so as, as I wrote, demographic trends amongst the Italian-American community. We also sponsor the Italian-American Studies program at Queens College, that minor I mentioned, and also the Italian uh, Diaspora Summer Seminar, which I talked a little about earlier, the seminar where you can study Italian-American culture um, in, in Italy. And then we have the Calandra Research Library, which is what I, I custodian at. Um, that is arguably the largest um, and continuing growing collection of books dedicated to the Italian diaspora, along with uh, three collections donated to us by scholars. One of them is Phil Conestraro, and he was one of these major forces of Italian-American studies in the 80s um, and, and, and 90s. Uh, we also have an archive of this really famous Italian-American newspaper called Il Progresso Italo-Americano. And we also have another archival room with all this weird kind of... Newspapers and stuff like Well, we have only one newspaper, Il Progresso. Uh, but in our archive room, we have like random, like let's say like a bust made by some Italian-American sculpture. We'll have like the bust, like the, 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 the kind of mold of that by an Italian-American sculptor from like the 1920s or t teens, I forgot. Um, not my field of expertise. I'm all like 1950s and up. Um, and only like in a few neighborhoods I really know a lot about. Um, so we have a research library. That's, that's what I do. So if you ever come use our library, I'll be there and I'll be like, what do you need? Um, what else? The past 13 years, as I mentioned, we have evolved into this kind of like intellectual powerhouse. So first and foremost is the Italian American Review. I'm gonna keep harping this, it's super important. We just got picked up by Illinois, University of Illinois Press, where again, we have this journal where people can write scholarship and publish it in this journal so other people can read about what's happening in the field of study. There's also the Calandra book series, and I happen to give one of you, uh, give you one of our books, which is the Italian of New York, where we publish books about for instance, Italians in New York or Italian psychology is another really big one that we have. Mm -hmm. We also have Bordighera Press, um, which was started by Frederick Ardefe, who holds the chair at, uh, at Queens College, Anthony Tambori and Paolo Giordano. Um, two of them are from Stanford, by the way, major Italian city no one ever really talks yeah, about. Everybody. We were talking about that earlier. People, I met a lot of Italians from Connecticut from doing this page. Yeah. Stanford's at 12.5% 12, 12 Italian. Um, so Bordighera Press basically is a, a a, a publisher dedicated to publishing Italian-American writers and poets, et cetera, et cetera. This is 1989. Don't get mad at me. I might, misqu I might misquote that year. Uh, yeah, it might be a year or two away. And this was um, in response to this book that the three of them published, well, edited together called From the Margins. And From the Margins is you have Italian-Americans as like marginalized writers who aren't in the mainstream, right? So we're going to give them this platform to publish books and poetry. Right, and they have like a poetry award and all that kind of stuff. That's not really my um, my area to talk much more about that. Maybe you can have them on one day talking about Bordighera. Um, there's also Il, uh, Il Giornalino, which is kind of like this journal for students and high school students and college students to publish like poetry in Italian. Mm -hmm. Let's say they're studying Italian in high school, they whatever. Want, they want to they do a little poem, um, short stories, stuff like that. Anything kind of related to That's Italian. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, regards to programming, what do we have? Free public lectures often so follow our page and you can find these public lectures in the event section on facebook or on the calandra institute's webpage. just google john d calandra italian american institute and it'll be the first one that pops up um so free public lectures with the kind of centerpiece being the philip v conestrow the guy i mentioned earlier um where scholars might have a new book let's say last year someone did a book on italian american food markets Right, and she did a, a lecture on her book where she went around and studied these different markets, mm. uh, Arthur, Avenue, Arthur Avenue, another one in Rochester. Um, I, I missed that one, so I'm totally misrepresenting it. We also have kind of conferences and symposiums. Um, so, for instance, this year we're having a um, conference on Italian borderlands, right? And what does that mean? 
because Italians, as we know, are a very diasporic people. We go all over the place. Even now today, many Italians are leaving Italy, going to places like Germany or the UK. So we, we, we're having a conference all about this subject. Um, last year, I think it was on music, Italian soundscapes. So we have a theme conference every single year, and that's the Calandra Conference. And then there's the also Writers Read series, where we have um, Italian-American writers kind of read from their books that they publish. Um, and basically promote it. So. Yeah, exactly. Promote it in network. You know, you have like 20, 30 people come out like on a Tuesday or Thursday night to listen to someone speak. And we have ex uh, ex exhibitions. Um, currently, right now, we have one about the evolution of the Italian-American language. It's very scholarly. It's imported from Europe. So like Gabagool? And no, 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 no. But speaking of Gabagool, there was a really good exp uh, ex exposition we had up until about three months ago by this Italian-American artist out of, um, what's that neighborhood called? John Travolta and... Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. Yeah, Bay Ridge. He's an Italian-American uh, artist from Bay Ridge. Mm -hmm. And he, ha he it was called Gumbaruch, resignified, right? And it's all these acrylic paintings, really non-traditional, of Italian-American kind of expressions. So you have like a pizza, a piece of pizza like melting, right? And it looks like a real piece of pizza, but it's all done with acrylic paint. And then oh, he had cool. a, then he had a piece, he, he literally painted a, a piece of gabagool. It looks just like it's from the butcher, but it's acrylic paint. Right, and it's not like the way you look at a traditional painting. Like he uses the, acry the acrylic paint. I don't know anything about you this. Yeah, send me this. So I'll be like, I'll look yeah, we have that. the pictures. I'll send it to you. Definitely, yeah. it's so cool. Um, um, where it literally looks like a piece of meat, and he uses it with paint, and it, like it looks like almost 3D printing. It looks real, really cool. So we have all kinds of stuff. That's a great example of an Italian American um, kind of culture production being showcased there. And then currently we have a free exhibit about the evolution of the Italian American language. And the reason why we're having this um, at this moment, even though we're the Italian American Institute, is we recently partnered with the Dante Alighieri Society. Um, so this is kind of our first event that we're um, collaborating. Yeah, collaborating with them together. But that's a lot of stuff we talked so far. That's not it, right? So outside of the Institute, we also have a um, other media platforms. So for example, Italics, which is kind of our centerpiece, and it's aired on public broadcasting um, and also on CUNY TV. And it, it's essentially like a, a kind of show where you have a couple skits, right? Not skits, what's the word I want to use? Kind of sections or pieces. Like segments. Yeah, segments being less the word I'm looking for, right? So let's say there's, there, now recently they had some um, women that were restoring an Italian-American program, I mean, Italian language program in up Manhattan. He's interviewing them. Well, what was the process like of trying to restore this program, right? Or some like random shop that's Italian-American in like New York City or some celebrities or actors. There's this really good piece um, they released. And who's, what's his name? Just passed away from Do The Right Thing. Again, the media is not my thing. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Uh, he's I from the Bronx. I know who you're talking about. Uh, Why am I not saying his name? I know exactly who you're talking about. Oh, man, this is bad. We look really bad I right know now. He's the character Sal. <laughs> yeah, Sal, Sal. Danny Aiello. Danny Aiello. Yeah, yeah so for instance, we have a really good interview of Danny Aiello. I can't believe I didn't say that right away. I know. When you said well, it's Vagona, Vagona on us, yeah. right? But we have this really good interview. We posted it recently because he passed away, unfortunately, of our interview with Danny Aiello, right? So it's all kinds of sorts of stuff. It's really cool. And then there's also Italics TV, which is a YouTube page where you can also find Calandra TV, where our dean and a random scholar talks about pressing issues in Italian-American culture. So altogether, I would say the most important things we have, Italian-American Review, free public lectures, and also Italics, right? A TV show, you know, to get our, our, our stuff out there. And that's it for the list. That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. You guys are really doing it's great stuff. a lot of stuff, stuff yeah. yeah. I know. I was like... <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. This is basically what we try to portray through our Instagram and mm -hmm. our YouTube and TikTok, all these social platforms. Mm -hmm. We try to, like, connect with Italian-Americans, Italian-Australians, Italian-Canadians, 
Italian Italians, like just trying to connect all of us under like one pla- mm-hmm. platform, one Instagram, you know. And you do, you guys are really doing something awesome because the world needs this, you know. Italians need it. <laughs> I know a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say what from what I've seen and. Italians in New York because I can't speak about other Italians uh-huh. all over, but like I noticed the trend is like Italians that lived in Ridgewood, they move out to like Howard Beach, Middle and then Village, like Long Island, mm-hmm. and then like Italians from Bay Ridge, they go to like Staten Island mm-hmm. and then New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It's like they this no, is the city no, no. and they just branch out. Yeah. Away no, that from is the city. that 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 is a very much a trend. So that's what I'm looking at right now, actually, with my research is the Sicilians from Bushwick going up to Ridgewood and then from Ridgewood going to Middle Village, right? And how the M line, I'm really interested in space because my master's is in American studies and the only thing American studies talks about is space Mm -hmm. and how the kind of M line, the the M is part of, it's a subway line in New York City for those of you who don't know, right? Very biased on my part, assuming everyone knows that. I know Um, know about it, I know about it. I never took it, but- Well, you never took the M line? All my friends live in like Maspin Middle Village. Uh I know that's how to get to the city. That's the know? one that runs right by uh, Christ the King. Yep. Yeah. 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 It ends, it ends at Metropolitan Avenue. So it's Avenue. funny because everybody that went to Christ the King took that train to school. Yeah. yeah. Or they took the bus too. Yeah. So like something like the M line is a place that Italian Americans travel up from South Bushwick, right? The breweries and factories down there to a place like Ridgewood, which was middle class and still is middle class, mm-hmm. and then to Middle Village to Promised Land. You can own a house and a yard and a backyard, right? Maybe have a pool back there. Right. And how the, of something like that, you see these trends repeated throughout different communities. Right. So like my family, East Harlem, right. My, my great grandparents migrated to East Harlem. Where are you going to go in East Harlem? You're not going to go to Queens. You went to Connecticut. Yeah. Right. Because that was right there. Right. Metro North. Yeah. Same thing. You know, Bronx, the same thing. Where are you going to Bronx? Westchester. Right? You know, New Rochelle. No, well, not really New Rochelle Yonkers. anymore. Yeah. Yonkers or, or, or uh, White Plains, a place like that. Right. You have these kind of patterns that you see repeated. Right. All the Italians from Flushing. Right. 19, uh, 1980s and 70s. Flushing. Tons of Italians. Where do they all go? Whitestone or the Long Island, right? You have these kind of places. Um, I have a joke about this. This is something I, I made a joke with her demo, uh, my demographer about. It's because it's, it's, a, it's, it's repeating a certain kind of psychology. And I'm not an expert in this. I'm not a psychoanalysis. It's just a, a funny kind of like off-the-cuff observation. Is the reason why that happens is, there's a, you know, when Italians immigrate, they go to a neighborhood with all the paisans, right? You go over here, it's all Sansese. Right, you go down to you go down to Ridgewood. It's all people from Castellamare, uh, Sogulfo, right? All the same, often the same village. So that same kind of uh, campanilismo well, is repeated when, when they, they Im- first came, like in the you know, way back in 1898, and then you had the big, like groups coming in the 70s. Yeah, it's like they felt comfortable that they had mm-hmm. some knew of the people there. here, you yeah, know, someone so. to lean on. But uh, before we go, I just want you to plug in one more time. All anything that um. You know, people could find about the institute. You said their Facebook page, Calandra's Facebook. Page. Yeah, I would say the Facebook page. That's the one you really should get a, you know, that's the one you should really follow and watch and see what's happening. Um, and then also the Italics TV on YouTube. It's Italics TV's name of the channel, so you can see our shows and also um, conferences and our free public book talks. Most of them, not all of them, but a majority of them are filmed. So people who can't attend, right? Sometimes some people might not be able to make it, live far away, might be sick. Right? It might be difficult for you to travel if you're old. You know, Think about these kind of things. You can look at the YouTube page um, and see our events and also Italics. You guys get a lot of views? Uh, maybe like low thousands. I guess that's not, my, that's not my department, so I'm not. That's good. I'm, I could totally be making that number up too. So. Yeah, we guys got we got work together, man. Yeah. You know, one step at a time. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, again, I appreciate you all for having me on. Of course. And we'll we'll plug in your Instagram. So 
you guys have any more questions? Put everything in the, we'll put the links in the bio. So you yeah. can ask you directly. You get my email, yeah. my Calandra email. Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to, yeah, of course, I'd be more than happy to um, answer any questions. I'd also recommend books or something like that. Um, even if anybody wants to promote a book they're doing, I actually know a couple of authors too. So We can talk to, um, we can talk to our cultural director about that. It's definitely a possibility. All right, awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys. Bon and up. Ciao.